0: Hello and welcome back to the Building HVAC Science Podcast. It's our goal to create better, more knowledgeable HVAC and building performance technicians by, wait, have you guessed it? Do you know it? Do you remember? By helping these two professions better understand each other what the ultimate goal of, you know what that is? What that goal is? Making customers happy in the homes they live in and the buildings they work in. Well, today our topic is about culture be speaking with Tim DeStasio, and I'll throw at you a definition of culture, which we actually use and we discussed in the podcast here, coming right up. It's about culture's learned patterns of perception, values, and behaviors shared by a group of people that are dynamic and heterogeneous. Heterogeneous meaning diverse in character or content. This came up as Tim and I were talking about creating a better culture or by creating a culture of better HVAC. That's the title of this episode. I really like having guests in the podcast who share their journeys and important lessons learned along the way. We definitely explore these topics and more with Tim as he explains how he learned what he knows today. From starting in industrial, ending up in residential, and now combining in building science, Tim shares with us his lessons learned and his perspectives on hashtag Tim is very active on LinkedIn, so I've got his link in the show notes if you want to follow him there. We spoke of Corbin and Grace Lunsford's a list of HVAC companies that use technicians that use science. We have a link to that. Talked about that a couple times already in the podcast. He also has done a course on Udemy, which is a self-training online system. There's a link to that, an HVAC course he taught, and his YouTube channel. In addition, he's a brand ambassador for measure quick. So let's get into the conversation with Tim Destacio and talk about creating a culture of better HVAC. How are you doing today? Really good, Bill. Thanks for having me on. I first met you at the HVAC Symposium or maybe met you online or...
1: Yeah, I think back in 2019 when Brian did the... I think it was 2019 when... No, it was 2020 when he did the first one. And yeah, that's when I met you. I've been, of course, absorbing your content for years before that, but that was the first time
0: we met him in person. So you're absorbing the content because of your background, probably, which why don't you share that with the listeners, please? Yeah. So my background in
1: HVAC started in the late nineties in high school. My high school started an HVAC program and my senior year was the first year that they started. So they were bringing in all the new equipment, all the tools. And part of our class was to help set up that lab and that got me really interested in HVAC. Immediately after high school, I started going for an associate's degree at the local community college, and I got a job at a pretty big, well-known at the time, commercial industrial HVAC, mechanical contractor, and spent 12 good years there. We did a lot of really big chiller work, air washers, which is like a swamp cooler with chill water, At least that's what they called it. (laughs) And so they did a lot of manufacturing work. And when you think about the 90s, was when manufacturing was dying in the South. Of course, I'm in North Carolina. So all that stuff was moving away. So they had to retool. And then that gave me the opportunity to start working on data centers and clean rooms because pharmaceuticals and computers, computer data centers were, were coming into the state as textiles and other manufacturing was leaving. But then around 2011 I decided I was going to go for my contractor's license in order to do that and pass the tests I started taking some prep classes and I started learning the ACA manuals that was a big part of the test was being able to answer certain manual J manual D questions and it really got me interested in the building science side of it and how the HVAC has to cooperate with the building and coming from a commercial industrial we typically just worked on equipment. We didn't care about the envelope. It just wasn't on our radar. But as I started learning this, I got really interested in it to the point that I decided to quit my job. And I started a company where I started doing some residential work just so I could work in that space. And so I started my own company in 2011. It was Southern Comfort Consulting and Service. And I ran it for 11 years, and during that time, I became BPI certified as a building envelope analyst, and I sort of became the HVAC contractor that every home performance contractor and building science person wish they had, and I was the only one in my market that was speaking their language and approaching it from a building science standpoint, and I had a lot to learn, and I did that for 11 years, ran a a pretty decent business, was able to have the opportunity to sell it, because at that point toward there towards the end, I'd grown it to the point where everything funneled through me and my mental health and my physical health was suffering. And I just had an opportunity to sell it instead of scale down. And that's what I did. I sold it. And that allowed me to move here to the Southport, North Carolina area. And I've started up another business called Comfort Science Solutions. And this business is just a one-man operation, me. I focus on consulting and HVAC design, do a little bit of service, still have my contractor's license, but also focusing more on the home performance consulting. And that's just one of the things that my business does. But that's the path that brought me here. It started in industrial, and then I backed my way into residential and don't do any commercial industrial anymore. I strictly focus on
0: residential and trying to incorporate more building science. I like the way you phrased it. HVAC has to cooperate with the building. Can you expand on that a little bit? Yeah. So,
1: what got me learning about that more was when you do a load calculation, it is all about the building. And to properly size the system, how much airflow needs to come out, to properly select the system, you have to know what the building is and what it's made out of and how it reacts, how leaky it is, what the needs of the building, what the use of the building, especially in commercial. You can have a high occupancy building. You could have a low occupancy building. Your HVAC approach on either is going to be different. And so we can't just ignore that as HVAC contractors. And I think even in 2023, there are many HVAC professionals that choose to ignore it and just focus on equipment. And I just learned really early on that they have to work together. We've all heard the house is a system. The HVAC is just part of that system. And I even think about things that Neil Compareto and the people that he works around says that the house is the biggest duct in the system.
0: So we can't ignore the fact that these two have to work together. Very interesting. And we started with the premise of talking about a culture of better HVAC. So actually, I looked up the definition of culture because sometimes that provides like a good springboard for the conversation. I found one because there's so many but this one is pretty succinct. It's Culture is a learned pattern of perception, values, and behaviors shared, and that's bolded, by a group of people that are dynamic and heterogeneous. Can you talk about your thoughts on Better HVC and what it means in terms of perception, values, and behaviors? I really love that explanation of what culture is because
1: Culture is something that gets established. It becomes part of you. It becomes a social norm of the group of people that identify with that culture. And cultures are part of people's identity. And I think that's when it comes to better HVAC, that needs to become a culture with more and more contractors and technicians and professionals. And culture can change. We have to learn culture sometimes. And so, for example, you think about culture here in the United States, culture has changed over the years where sometimes for the better, sometimes for the worse. But even in the last 50 years, culture of this country has changed. Some things were learned. It came from education. Sometimes it came from misinformation. So when we talk about a good culture, it comes from education. And to me, better HVAC or a culture of better HVAC means that we use the best practices that we already know about. Using manual J, S, and D, and I'll even insert T in there on new installations. We need to be able to think more about how the air is thrown in a room. And so I'll insert that manual J, S, then T, then D. But just following those best practices that have been around for decades, this is nothing new. We just need to try to educate more people that this is the way that we need to approach a job maybe not the way that you were trained, but this is a better way and we need to help them to appreciate that this is a better way that's going to make them more successful. It also means that we need to follow the science when it comes to indoor air quality, the three pillars of indoor air quality. I actually, again, insert a fourth one. We all know what the three pillars are, filtration, ventilation, humidity control. I like to add source control in there too. And that's something that sometimes an HVAC, pro doesn't think about, getting rid of chemicals in the house that make someone sick, tightening up the envelope so that those pollutants and that heat and humidity doesn't get in there. So that requires us to learn a little bit more about building science. And better HVAC also requires us to be ethical. It's okay to sell, but sell ethically. Don't make up problems just so you can sell them something that comes in a box. And it's okay to charge a lot, but do superior work. And finally, I think better HVC means that we need to be profitable. There are a lot of practitioners out there that are really smart and are doing the right thing, but they just need to learn how to run a business a little bit better. And I was that for a long time. I was very passionate about doing better work, but almost to a fault where I did not run a very profitable business. And so in order to do better HVC means that you need to grow as a company or at least stay in business and be rewarded for your expertise, for your passion. And it means that we can still be empathetic, but we shouldn't be sentimental in our work. We can't be emotionally attached to the work or to our prices. And so a lot of times I think some of the best practitioners are the least profitable ones. And you see them driving around in old trucks and they're just barely scraping by. And these are the guys and gals that deserve to be more successful. They deserve to make a really good living. But unfortunately, we get so caught up in the science and in the best practices and we forget that we're doing this to turn a profit
0: also. And that's not easy to to strike that balance. I like the phrase there, empathetic, but not sentimental. It's like you can go too far with that. But jumping back, follow the science. Corbett Lunsford has his HVAC installers list, the HVAC installers that use science more or less. Tell me, like, how you found out about that and what you think about that and when you joined it and what leads it may have generated. I think
1: I was probably the first person to join that list. (laughs) I've been following Corbett's content for a while, and I think. As HVAC installers, we need to set ourselves apart from everybody else. And there has to be a way that the end user can get to know who the really trustworthy and competent contractors, installers, and designers are. And so I saw value in that. Corbett has a huge following with end users, with homeowners. And for my new business, because one arm of my business is HVAC design. That I signed up actually for both as an installing contractor that follows the science, but also as a designer. And I've actually gotten more than several, especially design leads from folks that are building a house and they just need a good HVAC design that they can hand over to their contractor. They've got a good contractor in the area. He does use best practices, but maybe he's a little bit uncomfortable with the design process and Sometimes, especially contractors that have been in it for a long time, they're set in their ways when it comes to sizing and selecting a unit and duct design. And to be able to be handed a design and just say, put it in, and as long as you put it in the way it's intended, then I guarantee the results. And that's what I do. It has to be put in, it has to be commissioned, You have to prove that you have put it in correctly. But if you go through the process, I've designed enough systems when I was designing and building my own systems I've learned from my mistakes too, and I've learned what works and what doesn't work. And if you use the ACA manuals, manual J, S, and D, you are not going to go wrong. When you
0: deviate from that, that's when you start taking chances. I'll put a link to your LinkedIn page, if you don't mind, in the show notes. And I noticed that you picked a certain image as your background. Yeah. Why'd you do that? Are you talking about the measure
1: quick? Yeah, yeah. Measure quick gauges. That goes back to best practices, I am starting to work with MeasureQuick Quick as a, maybe you call it a brand ambassador, a content creator. I don't know. I just really appreciate what they're doing and what they've done for the industry. So part of best practices is to make sure that your system is actually performing as designed. And so again, we've got standards that have been around for a few years. For example, ACCA 310. And that's something that MeasureQuick Quick is developing a workflow for. But being able to hook up instrumentation to your system and to prove that it is delivering the capacity that your load calculation says it should deliver. That removes a lot of doubt when you have a problem. If it's still uncomfortable in the room, something went wrong, but we can very easily identify if it's a performance problem or a design problem because we have our load calculation. We have a room-to-room manual J, and we have our measure quick report, and we've got our airflow report, and we can see what doesn't jive And we can make corrections instead of throwing darts at the wall. So better measurements, better design
0: creates better results. And some people think maybe me or others get too preachy about measure quick, but we're really talking about do the right steps in taking measurements, assessing the results, making corrections or adjustments, documenting things. You can do that all longhand. You can do square roots longhand, or you can use a calculator. Measure Quick essentially just streamlines the process, puts a lot of tools in your hands, and does it in a blink of an eye. That's why we talk about it, because it just makes things so easy.
1: I think about 10, 15 years ago before Measure Quick, when I got sent to look at a system that wasn't keeping up or there were comfort problems, what did I do? What do many HVAC techs do today? Their verification process is they gauge up and they check superheat and subcooling, they check a temperature split, not wet bulb, just dry bulb. And they say, well, I've got a 15 degree temperature drop across the coil, my superheat, so cool and are good, and my pressures are good. Everything's beer can cold. System's doing all it can. And we have no way of quantifying, well, how many BTUs is actually removing, how much of that is sensible, how much of that is latent, how much should it? So now these are tools that make our jobs actually a lot easier. There is a learning curve to using them correctly, just like there's a learning curve to using a pair of tubing benders correctly, or Using a recovery machine or a vacuum pump, but these things make our job easier and they make our job better. And so we have to get over that hump and that resistance to change. And I think that Measure Quick, especially with what they're doing here lately with guided workflows, where they're making it easier for the technician, they're taking that barrier of entry. Away with guided workflows. And I'm in the process right now of beta testing some of them. And MeasureQuick is going to be a lot easier for the end user, for the small HVAC contractor. I can already see it. That's going to make it easier for him or her to do their job. I've been using MeasureQuick for a long time, but I wasn't using it as intended. I was, of course, using screenshots and I was incorporating those screenshots into my own reporting software that I would use. And it was very useful even then, but measure quick to use it as it's intended. Like any tool, you can use a pipe wrench as a hammer, it makes a pretty good hammer. If you use the pipe wrench as a pipe wrench, it does even better. If you use a hammer as a hammer, it's a lot more effective. So now I'm trying to figure out and record my process of learning how to use measure quick as intended.
0: And you've provided education. I mean, you've shared a lot of what you've learned and you've taken people on your journey of learning. Can you talk a little bit about that?
1: Yeah, I've always enjoyed teaching. Even after I graduated from the community college with my associate's degree, I returned back a few years later to teach as an adjunct instructor. I just enjoy doing it. The people that have trained with me say that I'm pretty effective about explaining hard things simply so that the HVAC tech can grasp those hard concepts, not overcomplicating it, just giving him what he needs so that he or she can go out there and run some calls and solve problems. So I've always enjoyed teaching. And so when I started getting more involved with social media, we've got a teaching tool in our pocket. It's a phone and we can just record little lessons learned, observations, things that work, things that didn't work. And I started doing that a few years ago and started doing more and more of it. And then I even have put on like HVAC training course out on udemy.com. It's about the refrigeration cycle. It's very affordable, just something it's a guided PowerPoint presentation, but it's like 12 lessons and that's gotten a lot of good reviews. And last year, actually no, back in uh, March, I put on a manual D refresher class just because I was getting my business up and going. And I was doing a lot of reading on manual deals. Like, I think I'd like to just share this with some people. So I put that class on, got so much feedback from it, or so many people signed up for it that I had to do it again. And then a lot of people are asking, well, are you going to do it this fall? Can you do a manual J class? Can you do a psychrometrics class? And I love teaching that stuff and learning about it. Teaching has helped hone and sharpen my skills because it's one thing to have to know it enough to do it. It's a whole nother level that you have to know enough to teach it. And teaching over the years is how I've really honed my skills and sharpened my knowledge on a lot of things. And you don't realize the gaps in your knowledge until you have to teach it. And you're like, ooh, yeah, I, I didn't know as much as I
0: thought I knew about that. And I think that also comes in you know, from a lot of people that I know who are instructors. They have a sense of integrity. Like they want to make sure they're conveying things correctly. And when they get that odd question, which is coming from a different angle, they will go back and research it. They will take note. They will improve what they're doing. Of course. Yeah, very cool. So I see a couple of tools in the background here. You're a little bit of a tool geek or tool addict. Do you want to talk about those?
1: I am, a again, a content creator, or brand ambassador for Haven. There, of course, and you've had Kevin Hart on your show in the past. They are a new company, but they are in the indoor air quality space. They make a duct mounted indoor air quality monitor. And then what makes them very special is that they have an integrated controller. It's all off of Wi-Fi and you can control any number of indoor air quality devices from the blower on your fan to move more air through your filter to a ventilating dehumidifier. So I just like that they're doing it for the right reasons. They're a small company. They're sort of an underdog, but they're growing. Their presence is really growing and people are starting to use them. I incorporate Haven in most of my HVC designs that allow me to use demand control ventilation because it's an all-in-one solution. So in the process of shooting some content with them, you'll probably hear more about that later, but I'll let them be the ones that release <laughs> that information. But I'm working with them. Now that's a whole house induct indoor quality monitor. I also work with AtmoTube Pro. This is a personal device. It reads PM two point five Actually, they even read PM 1.0, total VOCs, temperature, humidity, but something you can carry along with you. And what I do is on every site visit that I do, whether it's just a little maintenance call on an HVAC system or a home performance consulting comfort consult, I just bring this in. I set it on their kitchen table. I let it acclimate to the system and I include a screenshot of what this thing is reading at the end of the call. And it starts a lot of conversations about indoor air quality. Because it's quick. Now, this doesn't control anything, but it starts conversations. It's something you can carry around with you. And it helps people to see, ooh, I didn't realize that I had so many chemicals floating around in my air. Maybe that explains why sometimes I wake up with a headache or I have some other irritations. And then we can start a conversation about something like a ventilating dehumidifier. And so I work around this a lot of the same circles. So Santa Fe Dehumidifiers works together a lot with. Haven. They're a great combination. Measure quick, even some up and coming tools or software providers, solutions providers. You had Conduit Tech on there. Yeah, Shelby. Yeah. And so after listening to your podcast, I reached out to her and said, hey, I would love to just try out your software. And every house I go into, I'll just scan the house. And so I started with my house and we're Collaborating together, I just like those startup companies that are getting into this business for the right reasons. They're not getting in it solely for the money, but they're trying to solve problems. And it's sort of a grassroots uh, beginning, and I kind of like that. I've always been the underdog with my businesses. I've always been the smaller business, but did really good work, and
0: we mesh very well. I like that notion of underdog. And as I think back, I believe that TrueText try to help underdogs get going. Absolutely, yeah. That's been very cool. Just recently in your LinkedIn, you posted a uh, few days ago, a thermal image from a house built 30 years ago. Do you want to just talk about like why you did it, what you're doing? I mean, not like real personal details, but what was the whole concept of that? This
1: is just a person here. I'm in the North Carolina coast, so obviously humidity is a concern. And this was just one of those services that I offered to test their house. And so I'm still developing a workflow After talking with some of the great practitioners out there like Michael Housh and Jenry Garcia, Dustin Cole and Corbett Lunsford, Nate Adams, those people have inspired me to create my own workflow in a comfort consultation or a home performance consultation. There's a lot of words for it, but really it's just quantifying what the building air leakage is. And then you can start, obviously you do that at negative 50 pascals and you get that number and you sort of determine whether that CFM 50 is on par with what an an average house would be or that ACH 50 would be on par with something you'd expect. But then what I did on that particular house is I backed the blower door down to, I think, because it was so leaky, I think I backed it down to- 25, you said? Yeah, 25. Then I just started going around with the thermal camera. And that still allowed enough of the heat to show up with a thermal camera. And that's what that feathering image looks like. If you're missing insulation, that's going to be a sharper glow, but that feathering is more air leakage. And I found it in all kinds of weird places. 30 years ago, people weren't thinking about building science. And in some places, they're still not thinking about it. And so there are all kinds of opportunities, but we can start explaining to the homeowner what is going on with their house. The way I explain it to people is that my report's going to find all kinds of stuff. We're going to find missing insulation. We're going to find air leaks. We're going to find duct leaks. We're going to find HVAC performance problems, but this is a roadmap and you may get intimidated by the list of things that your system needs. You don't need to do them all at once. We can itemize them. We can prioritize them for you, but this is a roadmap. If you're going to stay in this house for a long period of time, we can start knocking a few of these things out. We can start with ones that give you the best return on investment. But if you think about how the mainstream HVAC industry handles those problems, they'll send a technician out there without any kind of building science, knowledge, training, experience, tools, expertise. And what's their solution? You need an inverter unit. You need a bigger unit. A thing. You need a thing. You need this nice glowy thing that's going to go in your ductwork and that's going to make all your air troubles and all your indoor air quality problems disappear. And that's what's wrong with this system that we're part of. And I don't think that me or you or anybody is going to change the way it works. But what we can do is people that realize that that is not the best way to approach these problems, we can give them education, tools, training, and the resources they need to be able to be successful at doing what we all know is the right thing to do.
0: It really boils down to a different culture.
1: Yeah. And that's what I mean is I don't think you're going to change everybody, but what we can do is educate the people that see the value in it. And we give them something to build a culture around. Not everybody's going to change, but the ones that want to, because I was one, I did not have the education or the knowledge to have an appreciation for better HVAC. I was not trained to do things the right way. It was beer can cold. It was when we pulled a vacuum, I never smoked, but I was always with the technician that smoked. It was two cigarettes and a cup of coffee. Then we turned the vacuum. I mean, that's how I was trained. But once you get educated in it, there's two different types of people. There's some people that reject that and there's people that pursue that. And I think we just give something for the people that want to be better. We give them the resources
0: that they need. There's a couple things here. There's technician awareness and multiple modes of learning about the same topic. I'm seeing a lot of new stuff coming out in terms of 3D animations, illustrations. I was talking with Dirk Naumann. Do you know, Dirk? Yeah. HVAC simulator. Yes, yes. Okay. Yeah. He was describing something that Corbett Lunsford likes to talk about is like putting vegetables on the pizza, but he's doing 3D breakdowns to teach theory. Yes. But it's, everybody wants to learn hands-on, and he's like, okay, I'm going to teach you hands-on, but in the process, I'm going to sneak in theory so that you can be better when the situation goes off track. How about the aspect of consumer or customer awareness? You've had a fairly long career. What have you seen change in terms of customer or consumer awareness of some of these things we're talking about? I've only been in the
1: residential space for maybe less than 15 years, commercial industrial was a little bit easier because you were dealing with facility managers, engineers, people that were already educated, and they knew more or less what they wanted. But in the residential, people are educated, unfortunately, by marketing. And the biggest spenders in marketing and advertisement are usually the most egregious offenders. And so people are getting their indoor air quality education from ads on YouTube, for devices that may or may not do the job that they're saying they're going to do and may cause adverse health effects like turning certain VOCs into formaldehyde. And it's such a poorly regulated market. When pharmaceutical companies put out an ad, it has to get approved by the FDA. There is no FDA, from what I understand, for indoor air quality devices. They can really say whatever they want to say, and no one's going to hold them accountable. And so this is the education, unfortunately, that our consumers are getting. And then somebody like me or some of the other folks I mentioned before will come and try to educate them. And we're having to not only unlearn them from something that they thought they knew and thought they understood, but then try to sell them on a new approach that they've never heard anything about. What do you mean hooking up this red curtain with a fan to my house and you're going to tell me where the leaks are? I just want you to plug in this device I saw on YouTube that's going to fix all my problems. Why can't you do that? And it's like, well, I can, but I don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I shouldn't. There's something wrong about that. It's like we're fighting that. And again, you're not going to get everybody. But in every market, and I've seen this personally with the first business that I started, And I'm seeing it already with this one. In every market, there are people that do educate themselves, that do see past the smoke and mirrors, and they are desperately looking for an HVAC provider that is going to check all those boxes. And all you have to be is that one contractor, that one provider in your market and you will stay busy just with those folks. And those folks typically are more affluent and they are willing to pay what it takes. They just want it done right. But they're so afraid to hire somebody just off the internet because they don't know if that person is going to be aligned with what their expectations are. So that is what I am trying to do is create content for people like who I am, way I started, people that want to. To focus on that market, you may not grow the biggest HVC business in your market, but you're going to focus on that niche group of people that appreciate what you do and let the big box store companies handle the big box store consumers. There's a reason why there are some people that shop at big box stores for shoes. And there's other people that go to a men's clothing store that know exactly what makes a man's dress shoe, a good quality shoe. They know how much it should cost and they're willing to pay that. I focus on the boutique customers and we let the bigger companies handle the masses because unfortunately the masses are going to be poorly educated. And I don't see that changing anytime soon.
0: Yeah. Do you think you can run In both modes in parallel, like a mass service business and a boutique service in the same organization? Or does it strain the culture too much?
1: I know there are some companies that are able to do that and they're unicorn companies. I'm not saying that it's impossible, but you almost have to be a unicorn owner and you have to have a unicorn team. And that's hard to do. And I wanted to do that and I never got over the hump. And so I just stayed small but in order to grow and have a massive company, you need a lot of equipment sales. You're not going to do it by doing a bunch of blower door tests and a bunch of diagnostics. You need massive equipment sales. In order to generate those sales, you need to sell units. That needs to be your priority. And there becomes a conflict when that technician comes out of the truck and he's there and he knows that he's there to sell a unit because that's what the expectation is that's what his KPI is, that's what his bonus and his raises are based off of. That becomes a conflict. For example, you can have a technician that, and most residential technicians are commission paid. Very rarely do you find one that is strictly hour. They're usually hourly plus commission. And so that person has to be willing to put the needs of the consumer, of their customer ahead of their own. They get out of the truck and they are going to go sell a new unit. But that unit also needs duck work. So what are they going to do? They're going to sell a 20 seer system for 30,000, or are they going to sell a 15 seer and duck work for 30,000? Well, if he's getting commissioned based on how many 20 seers he sells, he's in an ethical dilemma. And that's, what's wrong with this industry. It's driven by sales instead of science. And so For the boutique companies that are willing to say, okay, I may not be the biggest company, and I may not turn the highest percentage of profits, but I know this is the right thing to do, and I'm going to stick to my guns on that. I think you can grow a decent business, but I don't think you're going to be the biggest
0: shop in town. We talked about where we met. Was it the HVAC Symposium? Yeah, Brian Symposium. Yeah, you get out around to other events like you are going to Measure Quick training. I understand.
1: I am. Yeah, I am going in a few weeks to Measure Quick training. I've always wanted to do it. I never could quite get around to doing it. And now that I'm trying to shoot more content to determine whether Measure Quick is a viable solution for a small business, I'm going to take that training. I'm going to learn how to use Measure Quick the right way, the way it's intended. And again, it's a tool that needs to be used more often. So I'm looking forward to that. I went to some other events this year. I think my training and my travel budget is pretty much spent now.
0: <laughs> it's, it's
1: easy to do anymore, which is good. I mean, there's choice out there, right? Right. But come January, it's a new fiscal year, and January will be the next symposium. And <laughs> So what I try to do is just absorb as much training as I can from people that are smarter than me. So if you surround yourself with experts in the industry that are brilliant. And that's where they all come together. That's where I've met just about all my HVAC heroes Was at Brian Symposium. And just absorb as much as you can. I took a class from Alex Meany earlier this year. Next year, I plan on including the NCI Summit as part of my travel budget. And I just want to be able to surround myself with people that know a lot more than I can so that I can absorb that. And that's just my goal is absorb it and then share it. If anyone wants to stay in touch with you, keep up with what's going on, what's the best way to do that? On LinkedIn, it's Tim DeStasio. Last name is
0: D-E-S-T-A-S-I-O. With a space in there. Yeah, there is a space in there. I don't know whether... (laughs) I think it makes a difference because I was looking this morning and I jammed it all together and couldn't. Oh, okay. Yeah, good.
1: Well, half my family uses the space and the other half doesn't. And I finally found my birth certificate and there is a space there. But what's crazy is that my passport does not have a space and my wife's does or the other way around. So when we travel internationally, that sometimes has created a little bit of a raised eyebrow. But yeah, Tim DeStasio and LinkedIn. And I do a lot on Instagram. So it's at Tim DeStasio HVAC. So everything I post on Instagram goes on Facebook. Same thing at Tim DeStasio HVAC. And also on YouTube, some of my longer videos I'll put on YouTube. That's also at Tim DeStasio HVAC. And The name of my company is Comfort Science Solutions, and so I'm offering design consulting, either independent design or just consulting, looking at somebody else's design, and that's ComfortScienceSolutions.com. I also work together with another former guest of yours, Jeremy Begley. I know you had him on a few weeks ago. He's with HVAC Design Partners and Green Building Consulting. And I do some independent design or some subcontracted design for him, but also some design reviews for lead jobs. And so I get to see the designs of other companies. And again, you start seeing some of that old school mentality in some of these designs that we're trying to get guys to unlearn. That's kind of an interesting perspective is to review those designs for 310 design reviews. And you see all kinds of crazy stuff they'll put in there. But Yeah. So I I work together with them a lot too. I just want to throw that in there. Jeremy's a great guy. He's done a lot of work and really smart. I've learned a lot through him. So just wanted to throw that in there.
0: Very good. Thanks for joining us today, Tim. I wish you luck. I'm glad the storm today avoided you without too much hurricane to Dahlia. We're good. Good. We're good. I'm going to drive around, see if there's anything damaged, but thank you for that sentiment appreciate that. Keep in touch. And I encourage our listeners to follow up with some of the links to learn more about what Tim's doing, look at some of his work, get in touch with him if you can use his services or just pick his brain a little bit more because it sounds like he wants to share. Thank you, Bill. Appreciate that. really want to thank you for listening to this episode of the Building HVAC Science Podcast. We had a really nice conversation with Tim DeStazio talking about creating a culture of better HVAC. Part of that culture is learning, education, connecting. There's an awful lot of opportunities out there. I'll just rattle off my favorite list right here. HVAC Overtime, HVAC Videos, HomeDiagnosis.tv, AC Service Tech, Measure Quick, HVAC Chicks, The Misfits of HVAC, The HVAC Grapevine, HVAC School, HVAC Shop Talk, Stephen Reardon, HVAC Reefer Guy, Tool Pros, Service Business Mastery, I'll be on one of their podcasts shortly, Quality HVAC, and more. I also host the Res Talk podcast, that's R-E-S-T-A-L-K, where you can learn more about the world of home energy ratings and peripheral topics. If you want to keep up with other things that we find interesting here at Building HVAC Science, follow us on Facebook, or just connect with us on TrueTech Tech Tools through marketing at trutechtools.com, T-R-U-T-E-C-H-T-O-O-L-S.com. Full disclosure, I'm a co-owner of True Tech and the Building HVAC Science Podcast is a production of True Tech Tools Limited. If you're in the market for tools or test instruments mentioned in our podcast, take a look at TrueTechTools.com. That's true without an E, TechTools.com. See what we carry. And if you're in the market to buy, use the offer code HVACBS for a nice discount. As always I want to thank you for listening to the Building HVAC Science Podcast. It's really heartwarming when we hear feedback uh, any little thing positive, negative, whatever, just let us know you're listening. Again, reach out to us at marketing at truetechtools.com. Thanks again. Have a wonderful day. We hope to have you back listening again at the Building HVAC Science Podcast. Ciao.